from the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. This is Update One, the club's official podcast. It features newsworthy stories originating from the NPC facilities, as well as broader topics related to journalism, communications, press freedom, and transparency. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the National Press Club's Update One podcast. I'm Gemma Puglisi, and today it's part two of our interview with television legend Maury Povich. As you all may know, he signed off on his program, Maury, this fall after 31 years. His mark on such programs as Panorama, A Current Affair, The Maury Povich Show, and Maury make him one of the most celebrated talk show hosts. The last three programs I just mentioned span 36 years. He's the only person in the history of syndicated television to have back-to-back successful programs. He has the distinction of being the longest-running daytime talk show host in TV history. Before that, he worked in just about every major market in the country from Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York. He also covered some of the biggest stories of our time during his career from the aftermath of JFK's assassination, the riots in D.C. after Martin Luther King's assassination, as well as anti-Vietnam War demonstrations and Watergate. For this incredible career, Povich recently received the National Association of Television Program Executives Brandon Tartikoff Legacy Award. And in 2019, this broadcast committee honored Povich and his wife, journalist Connie Chung, with the National Press Club's Legends Award for their work in the broadcast industry. Welcome again, Maury. Thank you, Gemma. Nice so, to be with you. So uh, I want to talk a little bit, you know, we you uh, talked a little bit about, uh, you know, what it was like in the 80s and the 90s, like the height of television and talk show host. Right. Today, TV has changed so much. Are there, I, I'm thinking of what are, what syndicated programs we have? How has it completely changed in your opinion? It's interesting. There, there are still uh, some programming uh, in the traditional way, you know, Ellen was very successful. She just right. she just left her show. There are shows on the air in, in, in the traditional sense. Much, many Kelly Clarkson, many, right? Kelly Clarkson's now uh, Kelly some, Clarkson, right is doing a great Kelly show. Clarkson, mm-hmm. She's doing okay. Drew Barrymore is trying to make it. Uh, there are there are a couple of others, but for the most part, I don't want to say it's a dinosaur. Right. But it's 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 the problem is the only way to survive now is with a niche audience. You can't have a mass appeal show. Right. And I right. say that because of, of of what the reality is. The reality is with all the streaming services, with that phone in the hands of people, all the possibilities, the alternatives that people can go to right. in terms of getting their entertainment or information. You're, you're never going to have, I mean, you, you can see it in late nights, not the same. Those audiences are drastically Right, they're declining. Well, and, they're, and some are declining a bit, right? It's just, it's been, yeah. uh, it's been hard, you know. And late, late night was just like daytime. It, it was very pretty fierce exactly. and, and competitive, I mean, but it's, it's changed their, a bit, people right? People are on their phones. They're on their phones late yeah, night. Or yeah, they're exactly. on streaming services late at night. Or they're watching Netflix or or, 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 or Prime or, or Hulu or whatever. The area is so vast now. There's so many choices. You almost yeah. have to rely on a niche audience. And I think that's, 
that's what's happened. And so the advertisers understand that. And so all they want to do is to make sure that they know who that niche audience is so they can take their products and, and apply to that small audience. It's, it's smaller, but it's more loyal. That's right. what they're looking for. So what advice do you have for someone who wants to get into the industry today? I mean, you, you spent some time with me sharing how you got started. I mean, I looked at your resume. I mean, you were working in radio and um, doing statistics for the Senators baseball team when you were, what, in college? Right. And uh, I mean, I you, you, never school, sto- you, never, you never stopped, Maury. I mean, it's been like right. nonstop. I mean, till, the, till now, right? Well, You've been working nonstop. My, my, my father used to tell me when I was just started out and I was this kind of gopher for, for Bob Wolf, the legendary baseball broadcaster for the right. Washington Senators. And I was carrying equipment around and and, and getting coffee and doing all this stuff. And my father says to me, he says, so I, I'm watching you around the ballpark. Uh, do you have a title? I said, <laughs> yeah, I'm an, I'm an associate producer. And then he looks around and he says, an associate producer uh, gets coffee, lugs around the equipment. Is that what it's called? He said, you know, son, I think you're in the right business. You've got big shot items. <laughs> that's great. I love so that. That's how it started. I love it. And so, I mean, but I still say the same thing to young people Mm -hmm. that I experienced. First of all, when I went to college, I was lucky because I was working for Bob Wolf in the summer, but there was no such thing as internships. Yeah, Nobody had an internship. Right, right. So when I got out of college and wanted to get into the business, it was a catch-22 situation. First of all, you couldn't get into television unless you were in radio. Mm-hmm. So if I went to radio, but everybody in television back in the 19, early 1960s had come from radio. And, and uh, you had to have a big voice. I used to go in the car and practice my voice all the time <laughs> and try to lower it all the time and try to get... And, and I, I, just, I couldn't <laughs> do it naturally, so it took a lot of cigarettes and whiskey to do that. So, right. uh, But anyway, what happened was I couldn't get a job because I hadn't been on the air, and if you couldn't, if you weren't on the air, you couldn't get a job. And right, so, right. I started in this publicity department and then hung around the newsroom. So I tell kids the same thing today: just get into the place. It doesn't matter where you get in, right. what it's door true. you get in. Get the foot in the door, just, right? And then just find a way to get to where your heart is, whatever that is in the business. And I think it still applies. Uh, great advice. Great advice. I have uh, another question. And I, you know, I want to go back to your career again. And, you know, we talk about how long you have been, like, uh, you know, in the industry. And, you know, there's a sense of responsibility. I mean, of course, it, it's great, right? You have this great show and you're very successful. But there's, and, and of course, it, it's uh, financially fantastic, right? But there's a huge responsibility, I think, sometimes that people don't realize um, when you um, have a show, right? You have to keep the ratings up. Like you talked earlier, you want to make sure that the audiences are still watching. Can you share some of that responsibility, like the pressures? I mean, now you, I'm sure now you feel that the pressures are all off, right? You don't have to have that pressure of, you know, what, you know, what's it like doing a show um, a day in and day out and, and putting it together and the responsibilities? Because I think we just see one side of it. We don't really see all the, the pressures behind the scenes. Right. 
very interesting. I, I'm going to pressure differently than most people. Believe it or not, I, I did the show for myself. Hmm. My father always would say, you know, with his readers, I said, you write for the readers. He says, no, I write for myself. If I bring the readers along because they want to know what I think right, about right, things. So right. that's why I write. I write for myself. Right. And, and I, I always felt that I did the show for myself because I was always trying to be a storyteller and to give viewers something that they had not heard or seen before. Right. And so I, I relied on that, on that. I don't know whether you want to call it a talent or a trait or whatever. That I, I relied on that. The pressure for me when it came to ratings and things were the hundred people who've been working for me all this time. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that they still had work, that they still could be employed. I mean, I, I, I was on fortunately long enough where I saw people, I saw my staff get married. This I saw is great. I saw my staff have kids. Yeah. I saw my staff's kids go to college. I saw the wow. fact that they were able to have health care for the rest of their lives. That, to me, was the fantastic. Yeah, and, it's incredible. Uh, it was interesting. On the last show, my kids were there, my, my two daughters and, and our son, wow. and my son, and, and they hadn't been around the show at all, but they were amazed at, it's when I teared up, is when my staff teared up hmm. because of what we lived together for all those years. I mean, most of my staff was with me 25 and 30 years. That is so great. Uh, you no, don't know television programs. I was like just going to say that no news organizations like that anymore. No television program is like anymore. It, it, it doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, you offered such security to um, to your staffers, which is really great. And people often talk about it. It's a family, right? It's it's a it's a, oh a family, gosh, yes. right? For all those years. Yeah, you're talking like decades. I didn't tear up the fact that I was leaving or anything. I teared up when I saw them right. get teary because of their way of thanking me for all these years. I oh, mean, that's that, incredible. That drove me. Right. That drove me to the Kleenex. As we continue on, you, I, I wanted to say, you know, we all know that you did this, and you, um, you, you know, you're the king of daytime television. But many people may not know. Um, of course, you own your own production company, right? Mopo Entertainment, uh, that produces original program. But some people may not know this, and I did not know this, Maury, that in t 2003, you won an Academy Award. You were an executive producer of Twin Towers, and it won an Academy Award for Best Documentary. Can you tell me about that? I had this company that, that was doing programming, and, and it was run by a young man who uh, worked for me for a long time, uh, first with my promotion company and then mm -hmm. with Mopo Entertainment, and his name was Rob Port. And he was very, very uh, close. Uh, because he had lived in New York. He was very close to the New York yeah. City Police Department and right. the fire department. Right. And he wanted to do a he wanted to do a documentary on these two brothers who one was in the uh, emergency services unit for the New York City Police and the other was a fireman with the New York City Fire Department. And he wanted to do this to show what these these brothers would do. And he did this whole huge amount of filming with these two brothers then 9-11 comes along right. and both brothers die oh. in 9-11 and so uh, we turned it around to an homage to them mm -hmm. calling it Twin Towers the brothers of course in the towers 
and it was a short documentary of 32 minutes. And the co-producer of the of the show with me was Dick Wolf, a very right. famous right. dramatic producer of all the uh, mm-hmm. Law and Order uh, drama series. And so the 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 short documentary, uh, uh, and and Rob says you want to come to the the awards. I said, Rob. Every single time I've ever gone to a ceremony where I was nominated for anything, I never won. I am not going oh, to go. Oh, gosh. So you didn't go. And he said, and I, so I said, so Connie and I, believe it or not, I guess it was a, a vacation time. We were in we were in the Bahamas. Right, right. Watching the Academy Awards on, on television. Oh. And, and Twin Towers wins. And Rob goes up there and thanks me. Oh. And and. And later on, I heard that Oprah had said to somebody, what the hell is this guy thanking Maury Bovich for? <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so, so that I, is great. So Oprah, that's the story. <laughs> that's, that's how I got involved with this thing. Um, but that's but that's incredible. It's a great. Um, I have to I have to watch it now. But that's you know, incredible. And everybody said, how did you, you know, where did where did all this? You're a day talk show host and everything. I said, well, I'll tell you another story. One of my favorite film creators is Mel Brooks. Oh, and everybody yes. knows all the Mel Brooks movies. Right, right. But nobody nobody knows the fact that Mel Brooks produced a movie called Elephant Man. So take that. You I see, did not you know that. You can have careers, even though you're known as one thing. You can, right, You can be right. another. I'll never, I, I mean... I can remember remember years and years and years ago, the nicest thing I ever got out of Tom Shales, the Pulitzer Prize winning TV critic for the right, Washington Post. Right, right. Remember him. Mm-hmm. I was doing Panorama, and he, and, he, and he said, Povich is a renaissance man. I went, wow, that's cancelled. I think I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, that is a great compliment then, from then, Shales, too. And then later later on, yeah, well, let me tell you about it. Later on, I'm doing a current affair. Shales writes this critique of me he uses every s word he can use to describe me smarmy snotty uh uh uh, sorted uh, everything every s word in the world i call up my father i said dad don't let mom don't let mom read uh, the washington post today because shales has just brutalized me and and it's just terrible so so don't don't let mom read it he said well you know don't worry about son just go about your business it's just fine i said well, Dad, Dad, you know, he says, you know, I was part of the people that hired Tom Shales at the Washington Post. I said, yeah, yeah, Dad, but I'm your son. He says, yeah, but good writers are hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Dad. Oh, good so grief. Thanks, <laughs> oh, good grief. I love it. So we've had a, you know... We had a rather interesting career, Tom and I. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> so, you know what, speaking of careers, right, if you had not gone into this industry, right, what do you think you yeah. would have done? I'm just curious. I, I, what would, I would you— I, I'd be useless. Oh, no, <laughs> I, no. I couldn't—no, I couldn't think of it. I mean, I, I guess I'd probably end up a teacher somewhere. Oh, maybe great. Maybe teaching history or English or something like that. I mean, oh, that's I, great. I, I mean, I have absolutely no faculty uh, for, for anything uh, that would be considered a true profession, except for maybe teaching. I mean, I, I, I guess, I mean, 
I never thought about it. Right. Uh, because, I mean, as you said, since I was 16 years old, I've been hanging around this business trying to make a name for myself. I mean, That's, well, I, I well said, I'm giving it. Said I was in the right business. So I, I'm going to throw an invitation out to you and Connie whenever you want to come to Washington. I'm a, an assistant professor in the School of Communication at American University, and I would love for uh-huh. either of you, both of you, to be guest speakers. Uh, so well, we'll, we'll have to set that up and have you come out here. Well, We'd love to have you in a I classroom. Have, That's an have, open invitation. I have, member, I have I have fond memories uh, of American University because I, I spent one year there because uh, when I, see, I was a terrible student at the University of Pennsylvania. And so uh, that's a great uh, school, Maury. That's an excellent yeah. university, too. Well, they, they threw me out. They threw me out of the University of Pennsylvania <laughs> because uh, I flunked. And so uh, because I was. You know, I went to the Landon School for Boys back then. And right, so right. Therefore, I was socially retarded when I went to the University of Pennsylvania, and I had a lot more fun outside the classroom than, than inside. inside the right, right. So they told me to leave, and so I was going. I was going to go, and uh, actually, I was going to go and, and try to get my reserve duty done uh, in the in the military. Sure. And my father said, oh, no, 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 no. You're not leaving this like this. And so he was able to get me into the the American University for a year. And I I reapplied to Penn and got back in and graduated like after five years in a summer or something like that. Oh, my God. What a great uh, story. That means a lot. Well, we'll have to have you come out (laughs) for sure. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You you and Connie. Uh, memories of AU. It's so, great. So um, I'm just, we're getting close to the end. I just wanted to say, you know, I, I talked about your, again, your great career, but, you know, you have also been an amazing philanthropist. You have supported educational programs and sports programs for disadvantaged and minorities. You have an adult chair now, right, for political reporting at University of Pennsylvania. Um, but you also have a passion for golf, right? Tell us about that. And you're a pretty good golf player. What's your handicap? Well, uh, Tell us about that. Well, I have a between a two and a three handicap. Golf has been my just go-to thing for all of these years. And uh, I started out as a fair golfer, and then I got a little better, and, and then uh, I won some club championships at Woodmont. Right. And, uh, then my when I turned 50, my, my wife, um, I had never had a lesson in my life, and so my wife bought me uh, a, a coach, a guy oh, who for it. many, many years was a broadcaster on CBS with golf coverage named Peter Costas. Right. And Costas and I, and, and she says, this is the golf god. This is really, this is the guy you got to go to. <laughs> right. And right. so we became, we've become so inseparable. He, she now calls him the golf devil because I travel all <laughs> over the country <laughs> finding him to have lessons, but... I got to the point where I played pretty good and, and started to play in some national competitions. Awesome. And, Terrific. And, so that's where I, and, and now at 83 years old, I'm still, I, this is the craziest sport. I still think I can get better. Oh, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> that's You're so word. inspirational <laughs> on television, off off of, uh, you know, in television, out of television, and 
uh, on the golf course, but just for everything that you do. You know, I did get it done in two podcasts. I was afraid I was going to need three or four parts. I was going to call. I was going to actually call Netflix to see if we could do a series well, about you and and uh, well, and your career. But well, I want to um, honestly thank you from all of us, your fellow journalists. Well, I. Well. Uh, I you, met, don't, you don't want to do a third. You don't want to do a third podcast, Jenna, because <laughs> as I would say, as I said, when people asked me about oh, why I was retiring, I'll st- tell you the same thing about a third podcast. Enough is enough. <laughs> well, anyway, I could talk to you and Connie all day. I, you know, right. wanted to mention, so you know, much. during during the opening of my podcast, right? I mentioned that your uh, colleagues here at the National Press Club gave you and Connie the Legends a broadcast award for right. your careers, and honestly, we also gave it to individuals who show amazing kindness and um, being gracious and overall supporting one another in in the industry, and that is you. And we want to thank you for all you have given us. And uh, congratulations. And I'm, I'm so Thanks glad so we'll still be hearing about you and seeing you. And uh, so congratulations. Much. I appreciate it, Gemma. Thank you. Okay. I'd like to come back to the National Press Club because my first memory were there was I covered the National Press Club giving Harry Truman oh. a birthday party in 1964. Oh, fabulous. I can remember covering that for radio. Oh, great. My <laughs> colleagues will love that and love to hear that. Okay. So thank you, everybody. And thank you, thanks Maury so Povich. Much, this is a wrap for Update One Podcast. Again, my thanks to Maury Povich, to my colleagues, Mark Hamrick, Adam Cano, and Mike Heppen on the National Broadcast Committee here at the club. And all of you, thank you all for listening. Uh, it was just an honor to talk to Maury Povich. I'm Gemma Puglisi, and I'll see you the next time. Thank you. You have been listening to Update One, the official podcast of the National Press Club, the world's leading professional organization for journalists and a vigorous advocate of press freedom worldwide. If you have any questions or comments about Update One, send an email to updateonepodcast at gmail.com.